Okay, so we're back. Welcome back. Welcome back. And happy New Year's, most importantly. We are now in the year of 2020. Wow. 2020. Perfect vision. Um, Now, we got a lot. Uh, So we talked about NFL playoffs. I'm going to talk about a lot of college football today. I'm going to have a lot of college football talk to do today. Um, We're going to get into draft stocks, what teams need what. We might get into a little Patriot talk, um, some coaching, some coaching, uh, you know, places and options that are on the table for the Cowboys and what's taking so long. So we got a lot to get into today. Uh, we're going to jump right into it. Without further ado, let's go. Before I even start um, with this uh, with this segment or with this episode, I want to make this a trend, a thing that I do, a pattern that I do before. Um, excuse me, before the beginning of the episode, I want to give you guys a quote or even a scripture, and I'm going to give you the first scripture of the year, and it's going to be from Philippians four thirteen. Uh, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, just want to give you guys a quote or a scripture just before the beginning of every pod, of every episode. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start doing that. That's going to be a continuous theme. So before, so we got, we got that out the way. Now, um, I want to talk about the Cowboys and what's been taking so long. Um, and we know about Jerry and Jason Garrett. Since the season has concluded on um, since Sunday, going to Black Monday, where I still don't understand why the NFL calls it Black Monday, um, where, because there, I don't, I don't get it. There's a bunch of white coaches in the league that eventually get fired. So I don't understand why the NFL names it or call or call it Black Black Monday, because it has nothing to do with black, like anything. White coaches are getting fired, but let's even hear there. But so Jason Garrett, the end of his con, his contract has expired, and for some Cowboy fans, I know some Cowboy fans are probably worried and like, oh, oh my God, does this mean you know Jason Garrett hasn't gotten fired? Does this mean he 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 he's gonna retain his job? Um, no, not necessarily. I don't. I don't. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna keep his job. I don't think he's gonna remain as the Cowboys coach. Um, going into the twenty twenty, going into the twenty twenty NFL season, I don't think the cow. I don't think Jason Garrett would be the Cowboys coach. But I think 
Jerry and Jason Garrett are having these meetings along with the along with Stephen Jones. I think they're having these meetings first. Before I get into that and why uh, of the meetings, I, I think first Jason Garrett's contract has expired, as I as I mentioned, and his, his, his it, the the last date of his contract is January the sixteenth. So the Cowboys can wait until January the sixteenth and not extend him or you know resign him. And they can go out and start searching for a coach. Uh, they can start searching for a coach uh, once his contract has expired. They don't. So the so Jerry and the Cowboys they don't necessarily have to say, "Oh, Jason Garrett, you're fired." They can just wait until January the sixteenth until his contract is uh, you know officially expired, and then that's when they, that's where they can begin their coaching search. And to me, I think they'll probably do that. Uh, you know, if they were going to fire him, they would have been fired him. But since they know his contract is at the, he's at the end of this contract. His contract expires in about two more weeks. I think they're going to try to find a front office, a front office position for Jason Garrett because Jason Garrett, he's not only one, he's not the only one at stake. There's also some of Jason Garrett's family members. That works within the Cowboys organization. So it's not just necessarily Jason Garrett in a whole. It's Jason Garrett and some family members that work within the organization. And what I'm what I'm suspecting and what I've been hearing for some from some close some for some good sources is they're having these meetings to figure out a way to get Jason in the front office. They're figuring out. They're, they're trying to figure out a way to get Jason Garrett in the front office because they don't. They, I mean, Jerry. That's Jerry's guy. He, I mean, Jason Garrett is essentially family, and he's been family to Jerry Jones since he's been a cowboy in the late nineties. I mean, well, in the nineties, he was the backup quarterback behind Troy Aikman and the, on those Super Bowl teams. So there's a lot of history. There's a lot of there's a lot of connection. There's a lot of bonds. There's relationships, um, and I think that's ultimately been the the down factor and the downside of the Cowboys these last uh, twenty odd years is relationships and Jerry's ego. Um, now I can get on Jason Garrett and his coaching and him lacking uh, the represents the represent skills to be able to coach a team to a Super Bowl, but um, I. I it would be foolish of me if I did not mention the uh, the ego and the controlness and uh, um, and uh, just the relationships that Jerry he really values. Jerry values family. He puts a lot of value in family and family morals and loyalty. And that's that's the type of guy that Jerry Jones comes off across. Of and with Jerry, I can tell you, I can give you the whole backstory of how Jerry bought the Cowboys. You know, buy the Cowboys. In the late 80s, in 1989, and he happened to, once he bought the team, happened to pay off that and do all sorts of things just to keep the team up and running. But he has thrived these last 30-odd years. He has thrived tremendously, and he has made this the number one sports brand in the world. Not in America not in football, not in NFL. He has made this the number one sports brand, most valued sports brand in the world, and it's been like that for some years now. And they're worth billions. 
So I understand Jerry and 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 him putting his value in family. I understand it. If I had a business that or you know organization that I bought with my hard on with my hard on money, um, and it was a it was it was essentially a gamble. It was a high risk high reward thing, and I, it turned out to go well. And now it's worth billions, and it's the best as far as brand. Yeah, I would try. I would have a cl- I would have a close knitted group running it, helping me run it. But I think there has to be a, a certain point in time where you say, Jerry, you, you want to win. You're getting older. You want to win another Super Bowl or two. You gotta start branching off. You gotta start branching off and getting some outside help, some outside resources. You gotta start getting some outside help. And I think that's essentially that's been the that's been the Cowboys' problem. It hasn't been necessarily talent because I mean you know okay okay we, if if you don't want to say if you if you don't want to say the Cowboys don't have the best roster on paper, you can't argue that they don't have one of the best talent talent talented rosters on paper. You you, you can't argue that they they do have one of the most talented teams in football. Um, and when they're playing at a high level. Like we like 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 they displayed against the Rams and stuff. Like that's that's a that's a really hard team to beat. There's only probably a select few teams that can beat the Cowboys when they're playing like that. Not a lot of teams can beat the Cowboys when they're playing like that. So I think Jerry, they're trying to find a front office position, some type of job for Jason Garrett to retain or to have. Um, to keep him with within the organization because it's like I said, it's essentially family, and Jerry values that. He he values his relationships. Um, now I think with the Cowboys, as far as the next coach, I think okay. So you're gonna have to pay Dak this summer. You're gonna have to pay Dak. You're going. You're 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 just gonna have to pay Dak. Dak is gonna be the main priority uh, as far as the Cowboys free agency. Is signing Dak. He's going to be the main priority. There will be Dak. And then Amari Cooper. Then probably Byron Jones. But the Cowboys got some money to play with. They got they got about $80 million in cap space to play with. So I think they're going to. I think the front office has been making wise decisions. And wise moves. Um, as far as who to pay. And who not to pay. And, and drafting well. They've done a good job at that. But Dak is gonna cost. Dak is gonna cost you thirty plus million dollars. He's gonna co- he's gonna cost you thirty plus million dollars at least. Uh, I would say near the thirty four, thirty five range. That's what he'd get. And I'm not saying Dak is worth that. But what I I'm saying that Dak, as far as the value and how the market is flowing right now, uh, I think the last big time quarterback to get paid big time money was Carson Wentz. And he was around 31 and a half, 32. So I'm only thinking that Dak would look and be like, hey, Dak and his agent looking. They'd be like, hey, 30, we need about 33 to 35. I think that's where the numbers would be right around with Dak and um, his contract. So you need somebody, you need a coach that I, I think you need a coach that's going to enhance Dak. Uh, Jason enhance Dak a little bit, but now it's time for Dak to go to an even higher level. And I think the Cowboys are at their best when they're running the ball, um, but you do need Dak to be efficient. You need him to be effective. You need him to be at his best. So 
I think a coach, coaches, well, I have coaches that I think that would pull the most out of Dak would be Mike McCarthy. I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind Mike McCarthy. And I know people say this is a long shot, but Lincoln Riley. I think Lincoln Riley would be a, a good candidate. Um, he's done well with quarterbacks since he's gotten to Oklahoma. He's had uh, three Heisman nominations. He's had three uh, Heisman candidates and two Heisman winners. So I think he's done a good job with developing quarterbacks and polishing quarterback skills. Um, and maybe Urban Meyer will be a good fit. Maybe Urban Meyer. But then after that, the, the, the candidates kind of drop off. I don't feel the same about some of these other candidates. And I don't even think the Cowboys will look I don't even think the Cowboys will look below that. Like um I think the I think I definitely think the Cow the Cowboys need a coach that has that has coaching experience. Like I don't think the Cowboys should hire a coordinator. I don't think they should hire a coordinator from a team. I don't think they should do that. I think they should hire a former coach, a college coach. And I'm thinking, I think Jerry's probably leaning towards a college coach. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, before he came to Dallas, he was with Miami, and he was very victorious at Miami. Uh, Jerry, I mean Jimmy's departure. Jimmy departed the Cowboys. Jerry, Jerry went on and hired Barry Switzer. Barry Switzer was at Oklahoma, won a national title at Oklahoma. So I, I mean, I, I'm not. Those are like those are my top tier candidates. Those are my top tier candidates. Where I think, um, I think, I think the Cowboys will be looking into that direction as far as because I think you need a coach that's going to help Dak. That's going to help Dak um, improve even more. Even though I saw improvement, everybody saw improvement with Dak um, this year with with just just with his game. We saw improvement. We saw improvement. Um, I think the Cowboys, you know, with 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 Lincoln Riley, I don't know why people are people saying it's a long shot because here goes here goes my thing with Lincoln Riley being at Oklahoma. In the Big Twelve, the, the, the those teams, they 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 recruit speed. They they recruit speedsters. They re, they recruit a lot of guys that are very fast in speed. It's a it's a track meet. Every every Saturday, it's I mean they have pillow fights down there in, in the Big Twelve, and that's where Lincoln Riley recruits. He recruits speed. He that's what he recruits. He recruits speed. He recruits a lot of it. But then once Oklahoma wins the Big Twelve, and then go goes into the college football playoff, and we've seen and we've seen it these last few years. Once they go into the college football play, when they got when they play teams like Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama and LSU, teams like that, they play in conferences where you need size and strength and 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 line play. That like line play dominates those conferences. Big Ten, it's a, like it's a and look just look at the league. The league is full of Big Ten. SEC linemen, big linemen, physical linemen, offense and defense, and Oklahoma doesn't Oklahoma does not match up well with with those teams because their lack of size. The Big Twelve they recruit for speed. They recruit for speed. That's what wins in the Big Twelve. And ultimately, 
when you when 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 you play when you play these big time when you play these big time schools like Clemson, Oklahoma, um, Ohio State, Alabama, like like they recruit differently because of their conference play. If 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 Ohio State can't get good line play, or if Bama doesn't have good line play, or if LSU don't have good line play. They can't win their conference. If if Alabama can't control the offensive line and the defensive line, it don't matter what they have on the outside. They can't. They they're not going to be able to control the line of scrimmage, and that's going to hurt them in SEC conference play. Because in the SEC, that's what wins: line play, defense. At least, you know, in previous years, that's what their LSU didn't play much defense this year, but. That's what they recruit down south. That's what they need down south in the SEC. And in the Big Ten, it's very similar. You need size. You need offensive line play, defensive line play. You need to be able to control the line of scrimmage. Teams like Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Minnesota, Purdue, Iowa, teams like that have good line play, and they have good linebackers and good linemen, and they control the line of scrimmage. So Ohio State can't just recruit all speed. Yes, they got some speed speedsters on their team, but Ohio State also has good pass rushers, good good line, good good offensive linemen. Big the Big Ten has that period, and that's what they need to win their conference. So my whole thing about Lincoln Riley is he's thirty three and three against everybody else. But when he plays in the college football playoff against teams that I named, like Alabama, your LSUs, your Clemsons, your Ohio States, he's 0-3. He's 0-3 in those games. And he's 0-3 in those games because he don't have the kids. He don't have the bodies to match up with uh, Alabama, with uh, Clemson, with uh, LSU, with Ohio State. Because he has speedsters. He has a lot of speed and not a lot of size. And... That's good sometimes, like in the Big 12, when you're playing a Big 12, because that's all that you need in the Big 12. But when you play against these other teams, Alabama, Ohio State, where they have nothing but pros and, 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 and DNs that, that can rush and good offensive line play, Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma don't stand a chance. They don't stand a chance. And I like Lincoln Riley. He's doing a good job at Oklahoma. But I feel like Oklahoma, with him being an Oklahoma, it's a ceiling. I, I feel like there's a ceiling with Lincoln Riley being at Oklahoma. With that, with, with that whole recruitment, where I, that thing that that I pulled out with recruitment, there's, it's a ceiling. It's a ceiling at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley. Yeah, he'll win the Big Twelve every year, and he'll go and going into bowl season, going into college football, going into the college football playoff. Yeah, he'd go in uh, eleven and one and ten and one every year. He'll he'll win the conference, but he'll win the Big Twelve. But as far as win the national title or going on that, like I feel like that's very limited because Oklahoma and in t- schools like the Big Twelve, they don't have they, they they don't have the type of players, especially up front, defensively and the O line, and like as far as the line of scrimmage, Oklahoma don't have the same talent as a as a Georgia, as a Alabama, as a um 
as Clemson, Ohio State. I saw it last night. I saw it last night watching the Sugar Bowl. Georgia dominated Baylor up front. Because Georgia got NFL guys up front. Baylor probably got one or two guys up front that are NFL guys. Baylor don't put, I mean, these SEC schools, Big Ten schools, they got guys up front that are NFL guys. Like Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, like those are, those are Big Ten guys. Those are Big Ten guys. Those guys, those teams, those programs, they recruit like that because that's what wins their conference. That's what's going to win their conference. Ohio State, Michigan, they just can't go out here and get a whole bunch of speed to win the Big Ten. They're going to get overpowered by Wisconsin and Iowa and Michigan State. They're going to get overpowered. They're going to get overpowered. The only team that's like real big on speed, speed, speed like that, they got a lot of speedsters, is Penn State. But even Penn State has a litany of a, a litany of tight end play, good tight end play, good running backs. So it's all it's all physical nature. But the Big Twelve, Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma, it's I feel like there's a ceiling. There's a, there, there's a ceiling. He Lincoln Riley has to recruit speed in the big for the Big Twelve in order to win the Big Twelve. That's what he has to recruit. And that 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 that's that's not you you're not gonna beat you're not gonna just beat Ohio State with speed and Clemson with speed because they got guys that are big that are bigger than your guys and just as fast if not faster so you're not gonna be able to beat Alabama and Clemson and Georgia and all these other teams that's in the SEC that make the college football playoff and all that. So I feel like there's a ceiling, and I think that would be eventually a door opening for the Cowboy job or for Lincoln Riley to take the Cowboy job or to take some consideration of it. You know what I'm saying? And then with, with Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer has, you know, there's this persona about Urban Meyer that he's only a college football guy. But, I mean, Urban Meyer, as we know, he's well documented. We know what he can do. Urban Meyer, anywhere he's gone, he's won. Bowling Green, he's won. Utah, he's won. Uh, Florida, he's won. Ohio State, he's won. He made hell. He made Tim Tebow look like a first round pick. So I think there could be some correlation right there. Or a guy like Mike McCarthy wouldn't be bad for the Cowboys job. He wouldn't be bad for the Cowboys job. He you know had a winning record in Green Bay, won a Super Bowl. Uh, you know that's those are not three bad options. But I feel like. That can be a, that can be the eventually that's, that can be the eventual door opening for Lincoln Riley to get out of Oklahoma. Um, and he's done he's done a good and he's done a phenomenal job at Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley has done a phenomenal job in his three years there in Oklahoma. He's gotten to the college football playoff every year. He's had two Heisman winners. Jalen Hurts this year was a Heisman uh, candidate. So I feel like. You know, I feel like this is a good door opening for Lincoln Riley to take the Cowboy job because I I think there's a ceiling at Oklahoma. There's a ceiling. It's a great program. They're gonna win eleven or twelve games every year. Um, because the and there's no, but I don't think no, there's no, but I don't think there's nobody in the Big Twelve that's gonna be able to compete with Oklahoma on a year in year out basis. Baylor, you know, they played well against them, but 
Come on, let's be real. But I, but me personally, I, I, I like Oklahoma, but they, that, it's a ceiling. There's a ceiling with Lincoln Riley and at being at Oklahoma. There's a ceiling because you, you need speed to win the Big Twelve, but speed, you can't get speed. And you can't, you're not going to be able to beat Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama with speed and LSU with speed. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to do that. But I'm going to be back with, uh, with some, I'm a, I'm, I watched the Rose Bowl. I'm going to talk about Justin Herbert a little bit, um, who he, who he reminds me of a lot. Um, and Tua Tungavaloa. Tua Tungavaloa, uh, he's supposedly next, this upcoming Monday, he's making his decision whether or not he's staying in the NFL or, I mean, staying at Alabama or going to NFL draft, you know, entering his name, putting his name into the NFL draft, I'm going to tell you why I think he should go and and go to the NFL. Um, it's screaming, go to the NFL. I'm, I'm going to tell you that on, all on the next segment. I'll be back. Okay, so Tua Tonga Tua Valoa um, and Nick Saban. They came out after the game yesterday uh, against the big against the bowl win against Michigan. They came out basically saying Tua is going to make his decision next um, this upcoming Monday. And for some odd reason, you know, Nick Saban, um, they they feel as that Tua's Tua's draft value is going to go down. And I've looked at some draft, some mock drafts. I think I'm, I'm put, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put together my own mock draft as well. But I looked at some mock drafts these last few weeks, and Tua name has still been with. It has remained in the top ten. Um, some in the top five. He's he's still in the top five. Uh, he's still a top five draft pick. So I I don't understand. I, I don't understand the the concept of him staying at Alabama. He plays in a Alabama's in a physical conference. You're talking about getting banged up even more. Uh, that can possibly lose you millions. I don't know if he's trying to be the number one pick. I think he want he he wants to be the number one the the number one pick. But he's certainly not, he's certainly not going to be the number one pick next year because you have Trevor Lawrence coming out. And Justin Fields, so I, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure where where he wants to go, or as far as draft order. But you 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 have to. You can't stay, right? I don't think I don't think he should stay. 
I don't think he should stay another year. And there's so I don't and I don't think his trade value would drop. There's so many teams that need a quarterback in the in the top thirteen. There's so many teams that need a quarterback. There, I mean, I don't. So I I think is you know with it being with a position with it being his position of need um, that teams like need. I, I I wouldn't go back if I'm him. I wouldn't go back. I got millions. I got millions on the table. I'm still projected to go very high. Um, even if he was healthy, I don't know if Tua will still be the number one pick for this year. Uh, because the way how Joe Barrow has came, has come along. Like, Joe Barrow's emergence has nothing to do with Tua Tagovailoa's injury or him being healthy. So, even if he was healthy, he would still not be the number one pick. Um, and I can give you the draft order right here. Uh, Cincinnati at number two. Redskins at, t- I mean, Cincinnati at number one. Redskins at two. Lions at three, Giants at four, Miami at five, Chargers at six, Panthers at seven, eight is the Cardinals, Jaguars at nine, Browns at ten, Jets at eleven, Raiders at twelve, and Indianapolis at thirteen. I can tell you right off the top of my head right here, Cincinnati needs a quarterback. Uh, Detroit might want to look at a quarterback. Miami needs a quarterback. The Chargers need a quarterback. The Panthers need a quarterback. So that's one, two, three, four, five. That is five teams in the top seven that need a quarterback, that I think need a quarterback. And Detroit doesn't need one this year, but, I mean, the Matthew Stafford thing, he's older, he's been hurt a couple times. How many? I mean, how many? How many more seasons and years do you want to go behind Matthew Stafford? Cincinnati obviously needs a quarterback. Um, the Dolphins need one. The Chargers need one. The Panthers need one. The uh, the the Colts need one as well. So you have teams, and this is what I said about the Giants' job. This is why the Giants' job is so intriguing. Because the Giants are in front of the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Panthers, all which need quarterbacks. All of these teams need quarterbacks. Cincinnati, Detroit, Miami, uh, Chargers, and Panthers need quarterbacks. They need quarterbacks. Detroit need a quarterback. I don't know how many years you can go with Matthew Stafford. We I mean, you know, with so much in it, with so much talent, quarterback talent in this league and especially in the NFC, uh, I don't know how many years you can go with Matthew Stafford. How many more can you go with Matthew Stafford before you start looking for the next guy? I don't know how many I don't know I don't know how many more years you can go with looking for just with trying to land a quarterback. I don't I mean, I don't know. So why would you go back to school? I I don't understand it. I don't understand why he would go back to school. Unless he like has just tremendous pride for playing for Alabama, but even then, you're leaving for you're leaving millions of dollars on the table 
I, I, I don't get it. I, to me, I don't understand it. I don't understand the whole thing of going back to school when your your your, your stock is. I mean, you, you some people would think with the hip injury. Some people would think, yeah, his stock is de- he's devalued. His stock has nosedived, but that hasn't been the case. His that, that hasn't been Tua's t- case. Tua's stock has remained the same. He's he's in most draft boards. He's still within the top eight or ten. He's still within the top eight or ten because there's teams that need quarterbacks. You know, you think, okay, Cincinnati's going to probably take Barrow, and then one of these other teams might take Herbert, Justin Herbert, but then there's still like three to four more teams that need a quarterback. There's still three to four more teams that need a quarterback. And, you know, I, I I don't know how many guys other than Burrow and Herbert, and you guys can argue Herbert, but I think Tua's a little bit better than Justin Herbert. But how many guys are better than Tua coming out of college this year? Not many, if any. So that I don't I don't I don't understand the reasoning um behind it of, you know, him contemplating going back to Alabama and not and leaving and um not going to the NFL draft. I don't understand it. Hey, if it was me, I would take it. It's millions of dollars on the table. I get a chance to run a franchise, lead a franchise. Um, you know, depending on where he goes, like the Chargers, that would be a nice situation with the Chargers. Uh nice talented roster with some weapons, with some with a running game receivers that 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 that's a nice little setup the Colts is a nice setup um so I don't understand it it's not like he's going number one to Cincinnati but hey and I want to go to Justin I want to transition on to Justin Herbert I watched him play last night in the Rose Bowl um against Wisconsin one you know Wisconsin played ugly dirty Wisconsin pretty much controlled the game um, throughout th- throughout the road, they they controlled the Rose Bowl. They controlled it, and uh, Justin Herbert came through, broke through late down the stretch for Oregon. Oregon special teams was also a big part of that win. But Herbert looks a lot like Trevor Lawrence. Herbert, six six, two thirty five, little slender guy. Uh, and I don't think he's as good as Trevor Lawrence, but he looks a lot like Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and I'm sure his stock went up last night. Um, him showing his mobility, him showing his uh his his like wherewithal and trying to you know make something out of nothing, just going any just doing anything. I mean, he did it last night. He did it. He improvised really well last night. He he put on a nice improv show last night um against Wisconsin to get Oregon the victory. So I think that was really important. That was some. That was a really big. That was a really big game for uh, Justin Herbert to come out and play, play well. You know, look at you know what some scouts probably miss throughout his tape because I'm sure there's things in his tape that you know some scouts probably don't love too much. But there's a lot to like about the kid. I, I've been very high on Justin Herbert. Um, I've been I've been real high on Herbert. I think he's um. I think it's going to be just fine. I think Justin Herbert's going to be just fine. 
He, he, I think he, like I said, there's teams, there's numerous of teams that I feel they, they need quarterbacks. There's numerous of teams that need quarterbacks. So I think he can go. At, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes within the top 10 or five. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Cause team, excuse me, teams need quarterbacks. Simple as that. Teams need quarterbacks. Excuse me. Teams need quarterback though. I think without that, I think you, like I said, I, I mentioned it on the um episode, the last episode. Without a quarterback, it's hard to have success in this league. Without that, without that guy that you have a, a, enough faith in throughout the season, it is hard to find quarterbacks. It is hard to find them. And when you have a chance to land them and get them, you grab them right away. Um, I'll be back on the other side to talk about Michigan uh, and Jim Harbaugh, what some people think. Uh, so we got a lot. We got. I'm, I'm, we still got some more to get into. I'll be back on the next after the break. Okay, so I got a couple things. I wanna um since the decade has ended, we're going into twenty twenty. Since the decade has ended, I gave you guys a couple uh like football lists and like top tens. Well, I came up with my all all NBA decade team. I came up with my first my all NBA decade team. So this is from two thousand ten to twenty nineteen, and uh, I'm I'm gonna get to that. But first, I want to talk about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. So Jim Harbaugh uh, lost his fourth straight, and Michigan lost four, their fourth straight uh, bowl game. And the, I already knew the question after the game was going to be, 
Oh, should Michigan fire Jim Harbaugh? Jim Harbaugh can't win. Stop. 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 Before Jim Harbaugh got to Michigan, Michigan was winning five to six games on a yearly basis under Brady Hoke. So please stop. Stop talking about he cannot do this. He can't do that. He has turned the program around. And Michigan is now, Michigan is now, they're now now a team that gets 9 to 10 wins every year. Jim Harbaugh gets you 9 to 10 wins every year. So please stop with the, oh, Michigan should fire Jim Harbaugh. No, the hell they shouldn't. Jim Harbaugh has tremendously turned this program around. Uh, yeah, he can't, we, you know, bowl games, lost a bowl game against Alabama last, I mean, yesterday, but, I mean, he got you nine to ten, we get you nine to ten wins every year. He gets you nine to ten, ten wins every single year that he's been there. He's gotten you nine to ten wins. With Brady Hoke, you were getting five to six. Lucky to get seven. So, I mean, I I get that he don't he hasn't beat Michigan. I mean, I mean, I mean, I get that he hasn't beat Ohio State. I get it, I get it. But who who's beating Ohio State? Who has beaten Ohio State? Oh, Clemson. Clemson beat Ohio State. Clemson. Clemson has Dabo Sweeney, one of the top coaches in the nation, with one of the top quarterbacks in the nation, with a good roster. And I'm sure if Clemson and, and, and Ohio State were to play, Clemson would win four and Ohio State would win four. Like, that's how evenly matched those teams were. But I'm just saying, like, I t- and I told you guys this couple, um, like, I think like last month, I said, when, 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 they, when um, Ohio State beat Michigan, I told you guys this, I was like, sometimes when big time programs like Ohio State and USC, Get the right coach and the right personnel and the right recruiting class. They're very difficult to beat. I said that. I said when Ohio State teams like Ohio State, USC, Alabama, when they get the right coach, they get the right they get the right personnel and players. There's nobody beating them. There's there's not a lot of teams beating them. They, I mean that's just that. There's not there's not a lot of teams being able be, like being capable of beating Ohio State and and, and 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 USC when they have the right pieces and tools around them when they have the right coach when they got the right players and recruiting class not a lot of guys are beating them not 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 a lot of guys, not a lot of teams are beating Ohio State and USC when they got when when they got the right coach and the right players. Mm-mm. That's not happening. So, can we stop with the Jim Harbaugh and Michigan should fire him? Now, one thing I do got to get on Harbaugh is, is him not being able to find the right quarterback. Because with, with Jim Harbaugh, with, 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 um, with Jim Harbaugh being a former quarterback, you would think it would be it would be it would be easy for him to find the right quarterback. And in his years in Michigan, he has yet to do it. Defense, not a problem. Defense, it's, it's always going to be good. But Michigan got to find the right guy at the quarterback position. Um, and I just, I, you, you would think 
with Jim Harbaugh being a former quarterback, that they would have that position down pack. They would he would he would have that that position down pack. So that's one thing I do gotta get on get get on him about and criticize him about is being able to find an elite quarterback talent. Like Jim Harbaugh was a good quarterback. He should be able to find a good college quarterback to lead Michigan and to, and to eventually take the next step. But no, Michigan, hell no. Michigan shouldn't fire Jim Harbaugh. Why? Because he can't beat Ohio State? Who's beating Ohio State? Who's beating Ohio State? Ryan Day is Ryan Day is 16 and 1. That's his record at Ohio State. 16 and 1. Like, be real with you. Sometimes as fans. Fans got to be real with themselves. Be real. Who's being Ohio State when they have the right personnel and the right coach? Barely anybody. It takes a special collective group of talent and team to do so. That's what Clemson is. Now, I want to give you guys this is my l- one last thing. I want to give you guys my, uh, my all-time, my all-decade team in the NBA. These are going to be five players. My all-decade team. Five players, all decade team, and I wanted to have a little bit more fun with this. Um, you know, the, the, the decade has ended, has concluded, and then we all know that um, we're going in. We're we're in twenty twenty, not going into twenty twenty. We're in twenty twenty, so we we're in twenty twenty, and the decade is ended. Ended. So I want to give you guys my NBA all decade first team at least. So, uh, and I I break it down. So, I just tell you the names right now. Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant. Um, Steph Curry at at the point guard position um, for this decade, uh, he's basically, after LeBron left Cleveland, I mean, after LeBron left Miami, uh, the Warriors and Curry has been the focal point of the league. Uh, They probably, they they, they have been the best dynasty of the decade, in in my opinion. Um, with the uh, with the sudden emergence of this Warriors dynasty, uh, of course, Curry was the focal point of the dynasty. And it's not like the dynasty has ended. Uh, the Warriors have taken a step back with some injuries and you know some free agent free agents leaving and guys leaving. I don't think I, I, I you know I don't know if the Warriors will ever win a championship and Steph I don't know if Steph Curry can win a championship again. But I'm sure with once him and Clay get back healthy, they'd be definitely back in the championship window. They'd be in, they'd be definitely in the championship picture. But just with the impact that Steph Curry has had within the game of basketball these last few years, and how and, and what we see now in today's NBA, it's all because of Steph. Um, and how the Warriors played, it is all because of Steph. And it would be hard for me not to put him on this list uh, as the guard. With uh, with you know, I know people gonna argue Westbrook because we we know we love Westbrook. Um, you know, I know people gonna argue um, Chris Paul, but Chris Paul, I feel like Chris Paul and his play in the postseason hasn't been up to par. So I feel like it's it's it, this is a combination of accomplishments, longevity, dominance. Stats like this is it's all a combination in one, and you know Steph has the titles, Steph got the awards, Steph has the numbers. 
Um, so Steph is at the point guard position for me. Um, the next guy would be James Harden. James Harden, he has now he hasn't revolutionized the game or changed the game, but the way how teams defend teams defend James Harden a certain way, and it's basically happened since Mike D'Antoni has taken over. Uh, Harden, since he's gotten to Houston, Harden points per game and his offensive production and numbers have gone up, but it has recently taken a huge leap up with Mike D'Antoni being his coach these past, what, three seasons now? He uh, With Mike D'Antoni being his, his coach. You know, we all know Mike D'Antoni with, with his offensive system and his offensive philosophy is all about score quick and do it a lot. Uh, that's what Harden does. Harden is, you know, he's been able to get to the free throw line, hit a lot of point, hit a lot of threes, score a lot of points. Harden and him and his scoring ability, it has put him in some all-time discussions as far as him being the best offensive player in the game now. Where does he rank in offensive players in all-time stature? So I, you know, it would be it would be it would be remiss of me not to put Harden on here. Um, he just he's just missing the playoff success, but Harden, you know, I think Harden, I, you know, I gotta give the Harden. Um, next, LeBron James. Uh, no, 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 no. I don't know why I have to even say it or to say the reason why he was voted. LeBron was actually voted the best athlete of the decade. So, of course, I'm going to have him on the all-NBA decade team for the 2010s. So, LeBron, of course, with the championships, off-the-court stuff, that he is, the impact that he's had then... Um, the records that he's broken and still have more to break that he will break, um, just phenomenal, phenomenal. And he's he's trying to win. He's trying to win his fourth title, and he's leading the Lakers number one in the West. Can't say nothing much about that. Um, next will be Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Kawhi Leonard. He uh, we all know about his run in Toronto last year. His run in Toronto last year. Uh, he was named male AP male athlete of the year. Toronto, you know, that was a big chance that Toronto took. High risk, high reward. They were on the reward side of it. Big risk that Toronto that the Raptors took. Kawhi Kawhi bought in. They all bought in. All the pieces were put together. And that's what they got. That that's exactly what they got. Kawhi um was absolutely phenomenal in the playoffs and throughout the season. I bang on him a lot because of the load management, but it's he's the he's the best two-way player in basketball. And for these last ten years, since 2010, um, I know he wasn't in the league at 2010, but since he's been in the league, Kawhi's probably been the best two-way player in basketball. And just to add to his resume, two Finals MVPs, two championships. With two different teams leading two different cultures, now with the Clippers, and they seem to be one of the the Clippers are amongst the NBA elites. Kawhi would be my second to last guy, and then lastly, Kevin Durant. Uh, Kevin Durant, he is a scoring machine for my liking. I know people love Harden, and we love the explosiveness of Harden, but to be honest. In my generation, this decade, my era, 
Kevin Durant is probably in my era, the best uh, the best score, the best peer score. Durant, in my opinion, is the best peer score in basketball um, since I've been alive. He's the best peer score. Between him and Kobe, the best peer score. Um, you know, Durant is, you know, just a freak. Uh, he's a freak. Uh, 6'10", 6'11", 7 feet, has a handle, can pull from 30, uh, and he's become much, you know, his time, his years in Golden State, he was much more efficient. Um, he became an efficient player and improved defensively. He became a he, he became somewhat of an elite defender. So I had to have Durant up here. Um, that is my list. That is my all-decade team right there. My all-decade starting five of the 2010s. Uh, Curry, Harden, LeBron, Kawhi, and Durant. Um, now that would be it. Wrap you guys up. I want to. Don't want to hold you guys much. I don't want to hold you guys longer. Um, that is it. From for you know. That is it. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you wanted more, come back for more. Um, see you guys on the next episode. We're gonna be talking NFL. I'm gonna give you guys my NFL wild card playoff predictions. What I think is gonna happen. Um, we have that to talk about. We're going to discuss that. I'm going to get into that next episode. But thank you guys for listening. Always remember, two choices, one decision. Um, you guys could have chose anything else to listen to, but you guys chose to listen to me. So remember, remember, two choices, one decision. That's going to be also a 2020 resolution. We're going to say it after every pod, at the end of every pod. So thank you guys for listening. I'm out.